1: Hello, and welcome to The Pet Pod. This is the podcast that's all about pets. I'm Zara Boland. I'm a vet, a consultant, and an all-around animal lover. And each episode, I'm going to be joined by one or two of my veterinary friends and colleagues from across the pet healthcare industry so that we can offer you handy tips and some expert advice to help keep your beloved family pet healthy and, above all, happy. This podcast is supported by Umove, the UK's number one vet joint supplement brand for dogs. Clinically proven to work in just six weeks, UMove is recommended for older dogs who are starting to slow down and show some signs of stiffness. Now, as many of you know, my own dog, Rumba, is already nine years old. And like many other dog owners, I'm always on the lookout for ways to make life a little bit more comfortable for her as she gets older. And that's why she's been taking Umove for a few months now. But UMove also have a range of products available to help younger dogs, and indeed those Canine Athletes to stay on top form. And you'll be pleased to know it's also available for cats, horses, and even us humans. What I love about the team at UMove is that they're on a mission to make sure every dog, cat, and horse lives their most active life for life. And that's why they're offering a 30% discount code for all new customers who listen to the Pet Pod simply visit umove.co.uk and enter the code PETPOD30 when you get to the checkout. Plus, you can also be in with a chance to win a year's supply of Umove for your own dog, cat, or horse. Enter the draw at umove.co.uk slash pages slash petpod and the winner will be drawn at random and announced on the 13th of January. So good luck! Today's episode is all about adopting a dog. Now if you're contemplating adding a canine companion to your home, then a rescue dog can be a really wonderful new family member. But just like getting any new pet, there are some really important considerations that we need to take into account. And some of these are specific to homing a dog who may have been through some challenging times. So, to find out everything we need to know about adopting a dog, I'm delighted to be joined by Adam Levy, who's a regional manager for the charity Dogs Trust. Welcome to the Pet Pod. Thank you very much. Well, let's start with some basics, and it's not a happy topic, but, you know, the first question that I think often springs to mind is the question of volume, really, and how many dogs are you aware of that are in need of adoption in the UK every year, and, and maybe more so this year, or is, has there been a difference this year with, with the pandemic?
0: Well, funny enough, there has been a big difference this year, um, but on the positive side of things, Oh, good. So I'm not sure if you're aware, I'm I'm sure you are, but there's just a huge demand for dogs at the moment. Yeah. The assumption is that because so many people have been working from home and because of the furlough scheme... Um, you know people see now as being the ideal time to get a dog um, and you know obviously with the rules that allowed you know one period of exercise a day with the initial lockdown and, and even still now with our second lockdown I think people have thought now more than ever I should be getting a dog so I'm at home more and I've got that time to commit to the dog. From our perspective it, it's not as sort of black and white as that to be honest because obviously dogs need so much more than just one daily exercise and it's the training, it's the socialising and it's it's the habituation and, and actually it's the lifelong commitment to be honest but that is the situation we're in. So as a consequence of that, something that we're noticing uh, because we monitor all the calls into the organisation but we've had a 50% reduction pretty much throughout the whole of the pandemic of people wanting to hand over their dogs and we've had a doubling of calls of people wanting to rehome dogs so. Gosh
1: that's incredible they're huge statistics.
0: Yes absolutely I mean it's just been unbelievable to be honest so actually for this year it's pretty much not been business as usual with regards to the amount of dogs coming into our centres. Under a normal year, we're looking after across all of our centres across the UK, we're looking after between fourteen and 15,000 dogs a year. And across the UK, it's hard to know the exact figure, but what we do know is that there's approximately a minimum of 65,000 dogs um, looking for homes through rescue organisations. So that's a typical year, but as I say, at the moment, we're, we're, as I'm sure you appreciate, we're very much not in a typical year. What we are expecting, we are expecting to get to this point where unfortunately things fall off a cliff, and that could be when, say, the government pulls the furlough scheme away, and unfortunately you may see an increase in the level of redundancies, or when people are having to go back to working in an office rather than sort of working from home, or the recession starts to bite a little bit more and we feel the impact of it. And and from previous recessions, we always know um, that dog relinquishment goes up quite dramatically in times of recession. So we are very much expecting that there is going to be a point where suddenly that very much changes and we see a huge increase in the amount of dogs coming to us. So actually having that capacity for that moment is quite a beneficial thing.
1: Okay, well, it, you've covered a lot lot of ground in that. And
0: yes, sorry, sorry, yes.
1: No, thank you. It's, it's great because it's actually, it's, it's hit a lot of, of areas I wanted to discuss with you. Um, I guess the first question that, that kind of springs to my mind having heard you just say that is, what I'm hearing is that you've got some capacity now, additional capacity than you wouldn't normally have. But I guess the question is, is it going to be enough capacity if what you're saying rings true come the new year or six months down the line and and adoptions and, and you know, surrenders dramatically increase because people aren't able to cope?
0: And, and that's the difficulty. And I mean... Do we have enough capacity by ourselves? No, no, I don't think so for one moment. Yes, we do have capacity. I mean, I've worked for Dogs Trust for 15 years and during that time, we've never had any capacity whatsoever. Our kennels are full and as soon as we rehome a dog, we've got more dogs coming in. So I've never known a period where we have capacity within our kennels. Are we having enough sort of room within our kennels for that moment? I don't think so at all. And and unfortunately, another consequence of, you know, previous recessions are not only has relinquishment gone up, but unfortunately euthanasia has gone up. And, you know, that unfortunately can be a real consequence of that as well, that we're going to be seeing more dogs put to sleep, more more dogs uh, abandoned. So more dogs rather than being handed over because there might be capacity issues. So then put out onto the streets and we see an increase in the number of stray dogs. And that's another consequence that unfortunately we see um, of living in such times. So, yes, at, at the moment it's okay. But, yeah, we, we are very much concerned that we're going to hit that point sooner or later.
1: So what can we do to mitigate or try to mitigate and, against that happening? And, you know, people who are listening, you know, who who I mean, I've done some podcasts already about the issues of the pandemic and the fact that we are all around with our pets, and it look there's a lot of positives to, to getting a pet at the moment because you are at home and you have got the time to socialize and train and and spend it with them but obviously it goes hand in hand with then you know massive increase in separation distress, and anxiety when you return to work and and if you haven 't done the socialization and the training for sure there could be problems when, when the situation changes not to mind then that's behaviorally not to mind you know economically in your own in your own circumstances so like other Any kind of tips or advice you can give or ideas on on how to mitigate against some of this?
0: I mean, first and foremost, you know, I I mean, obviously, we we love people getting dogs, we completely promote the the benefits of dog ownership. So, you know, I I, um, what I'm about to say is, you know, I don't want to sort of go against that, but I, I think what people need to appreciate and really consider before getting a dog is that it's a lifelong commitment you know we we, we've sort of rejigged our our classic strapline of a dog is for life
1: you had the original strapline didn't you yeah dog is for life not just for christmas
0: yes exactly (laughs) and we rejigged it slightly to um say you know a dog is for life not just for the pandemic and and that you know that that's very true you know the average length of uh, a dog's life maybe 12 years. So, it's, you know, you're getting this dog for the next 12 years. It's not just for this period of time. And you've got to appreciate, you know, the commitment that is behind that. You've got to appreciate the financial implications that are behind that. You know, it's not cheap owning a dog. You're also got to consider, you know, what's going to happen when you do go back to work. Because at the moment, these dogs are going, wow, this is, this is fantastic. You know, you're here the whole time.
1: It's nirvana.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. I love you being around. All of a sudden, you're going to hit a period where, you know, you're going to have to go back into work. You're going to have to go back into the office. And, you know, how is your dog going to cope with that? You know, how is your dog going to cope? Because usually when we send any dog home, we talk about, you know, getting the dog used to being left building up the leaving times, gradually work with the dog. How much are you able to do that at the moment? So, so I think, you know, whilst it's fantastic, all these people are going out and getting dogs, although there are some unfortunate sort of consequences of that and that, that we're involved in such, such as the puppy smuggling side. But, but you know, just, just be aware that, you know, this is something that you're committing to for the next 12 years, not, not just for a nine, 10 month period. And and that's really one of the most fundamental things that you've got to consider before getting a dog, really.
1: It's a really good point. And it brings me on to another another question because, it's so easy. It's so easy to get carried away at the fluffy puppy stage and you fall madly in love and you, you kind of then forget that they go through that, you know, stroppy teenage oh, acts yes. and then and oh, they, yes. they chew up all your best shoes and they get to the point where they, they reach adulthood. And, you know, if you, there's, a, there's, a long, there's a long journey with any pet. Um, so what would you particularly consider? But you mentioned the commitments, So let's kind of spell them out for people who might be listening and thinking about getting a dog but aren't fully aware of all the commitments and you know are there additional commitments and considerations to to take on board when you're looking at taking on a rescue dog?
0: So for general responsible dog ownership I mean obviously you know first and foremost you've got to think about the financial implications so you know owning a dog is not cheap, you've got veterinary care for a dog, you've got food for a dog, you've got all of the you know um, leads, collars, beds, anything that it might chew if you want to go away either bringing the dog with you or if you're getting uh, someone to look after the dog or in the dog you know these things all add up you know you, you've also got your time commitments and, and that's not just your time commitments to you know socialize your dog you know and habituate your dog and take your dog to training classes which one's in I have a financial commitment as well but this is also your commitment in day-to-day life you, you know you suddenly can't just drop everything and decide to go away for a weekend. You you can't just live your life with absolutely no ties because you've got this four-legged friend at home that need your care. They need your feeding. They need your company. There's a lot. And, and, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of benefits to owning a dog. That goes without saying. But there's a lot of ties as well. So so I think people need to really be aware of that. And and there's going to be difficult periods. As you say, you know, the teenage years, I mean, I mean, that is a classic one. We, we get a lot of dogs handed over to us, eight to twelve months of age. So, you know, that, that's the sort of adolescence period. They've gone past that cute, fluffy stage where they're just this bundle of fluff that, you know, wobbles around all over the place being cute, and suddenly you know, like, like a typical teenager, that they're pushing their boundaries a little bit more, they need more input, they need more exercise, they, they need more just general sort of commitment from you to sort of channel all of their energy in the correct way. And, and, and without doing that then unfortunately, that's when you're going to experience, you know, your typical sort of behavioral problems that you have for that unfortunately, we do see dogs come come to us for in the first place. Mm. Now, when you're looking at a rescue dog, one of the biggest things that I always try and do with anyone who's getting a rescue dog is to try and manage expectations because unfortunately, and, and as much as we Talk about it we we still experience this same issue as well, but people expect to come to us you know they they see a dog that they fall in love with that they can 't help but running away with themselves about thinking about how wonderful it 's going to be, and they 're going to take it and they 're going to have this idyllic scenario and where the dog just settles in and it's just a perfectly house trained dog that doesn't need for anything and if only yes exactly (laughs) and 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 there are examples when when that happens absolutely there are but we we try and manage people's expectations really because you know you, you you've got to imagine with a rescue dog and and i always sort of make the analogy of um, a child that is going through you know the foster system the adoption system you, you know they've had these broken attachments they, they have had a family that they've loved and means the world to them and for whatever reason you know sometimes absolutely genuine reasons that no one could avoid those dogs have had to be sort of given up you know those dogs have had the whole world taken away from them and they're sort of placed into a kennel. And, you know, that, that obviously affects their behavior. Well,
1: it's a very traumatic event.
0: Absolutely. And that, that also affects how easily they can sort of form those attachments going forward. And, and, and sometimes what it does do, it it makes them insecure. So it makes them particularly clingy, so that makes it even more difficult when you know you're wanting to say go out and leave the dog because it just wants to be, you know, in your shadow the whole time. And actually on the reverse of that, it sometimes makes it more difficult for that dog to bond. Now now I'm not saying this is the case with every single dog you're gonna get from a rescue, but I think it's something everyone needs to consider. You know, it takes work and effort and time. And with it, you know, it's the most Rewarding thing you can imagine seeing that dog that was this absolute shy and scared thing that comes to you and to see it grow and come out of itself and see its normal behaviors is the most rewarding thing honestly it it, it is wonderful and it, it's wonderful for our staff who see it within our centers and and it's just as wonderful for our doctors and and once again our staff again when when we see it in the homes but it doesn't happen overnight you know it doesn't happen it takes it takes time
1: I agree with you completely. And I've uh, a very good friend of mine is a, what's the word, a serial rescuer of dogs <laughs> Brilliant, and, yes. and she's, she's fantastic. And, and, um, and I've seen the bond and I honestly would say that it's actually, it's almost like the dogs know they've been given a second chance at life. And that bond is so super strong yep, yep. Um, when both sides, I guess, put in the work. So what would you recommend people do if they are getting a dog that has had a, a challenging start to life? Like, how do you start to to create that bond? And, and rebuild trust with a dog like that.
0: So more than anything, you know, these dogs need time. I mean, that—that's what you know. Myself and you know others within our organisation, we, we will all say to everyone, the dog needs time. And I think that can be one of the. Because you know, obviously there are occasions where it doesn't work out, and we always take the dog back, you know, no matter whether the dog's been out for one week or four years, you know, we we have saying once dogs trust dog, always a dog's trust dog. So so if anyone experiences any problems, we we will always take that dog back. You know, we we're, we're not judgmental. We appreciate these things happen in life. But I suppose sometimes where it can be difficult for people is when you see a dog come back after two, three days. And and I appreciate sometimes people take the dog home. And straight away, they, they realize that they have making a mistake and, you know, the dog wasn't for them. They shouldn't have got a dog. They weren't ready for dog ownership. And unfortunately, sometimes people need a dog in their house to appreciate that. So, so we completely get it. But, but then sometimes, you know, people will take the dog home and the dog will come back really quickly for something that we were very aware of. And, you know, you, you just felt... Uh, actually if it was just given a little bit more time just to get over that initial period of concern then they would have seen so much more from that dog because, because when a dog comes into our centers you know although we're very proud of our centers you know we have some of the best kennels i've ever seen quite frankly to be honest and and the environment and the work that we do with them at the end of the day it is it is just a kennel and, and it there's a routine and it's quite simple and there's not much going on when you think about the outside world. So so when that dog makes that transition from being in a kennel environment where it's got a set routine it hasn't got too much to contend with in the grand scheme of things when you think about the outside world you know it's very daunting when it goes into a home because suddenly there's traffic there's tvs there's radios there's different people and it's a lot and initially you know the dog will actually struggle will actually be more worried at first and and that presents itself in different ways sometimes the dog will shut down a bit and and we'll get a call from an adopter who'll typically say you know what you 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 gave me all these warnings but i've I've actually i've got the perfect dog and and actually it's just the dog is quite worried it's just a bit quiet and, and, and yeah scared exactly
1: kind of kind of the freeze response almost
0: absolutely and 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 then you know two weeks down the line when it's feeling a bit more confident then it's like well hey (laughs) let's go then we'll get a call say what's happened with my dog my my dog has completely changed but actually it's not it's it's personality is coming out that this is this is what you want to see
1: the trauma subsiding I guess
0: Uh, absolutely So, so you just want to give that dog time give it space you know we always say don't ask too much of that dog in early days. You know, don't suddenly take it round to all your friends, introduce it to the world. I know you're dying to, you know, every, every bit of your body wants you to show that dog off to the world. But but right now, the dog doesn't need it. It just needs time. It needs space. You know, keep things simple and allow it to settle. You know, form that bond with you first. That That's, that's the strongest thing. Uh, and most important thing to do is to get that attachment, get that bond with you and the dog. And once you've got that bond, then you can open up the world a little bit more, but, but time and space they're they're hugely important. Yeah.
1: That's a really good point, Adam. And I think one of the things I might add to that is, you know, allowing the dog to come to you. Don't, Don't push yourself into into their space. I think having their own space and creating a a kind of a space for them to retreat to as well, especially in a busy home environment, they might not be used to, is is fundamental. So creating that that sense of safety for the for the for the dog.
0: Yeah, doing a den for the dog is great. You know, you know, people use crates now a lot, and it's not about shutting the dog away in a crate, but it but it but it's creating a den, as you say, in a quiet space of the house. So if the dog wants to have a bit of time out, it can have that time out because there's just a home environment with the the smells and sounds alone before you introduce the outside world it's so much more than what was going on in a kennel environment
1: yeah good point i mean there's a lot to be to be fair there's an awful lot going on in the kennel environment too They can be pretty noisy spaces with lots of other dogs around and, and also challenging but i guess if you if you think about you know this this dog who's come from one as i liked your analogy to to foster kids and they've come from one you know broken home if you like they're thrust into this new environment noisy dogs people but there's got a big structure to it and they adapt to that and then suddenly they're pulled out of that and thrown into another environment it's a lot to take on it really is
0: absolutely and 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 you're right There, there are dogs that will categorically struggle with kind environments they will struggle with the noise you know some dogs who haven't been socialized with dogs when they're they're younger and suddenly they're surrounded by other dogs you you know these can all be difficult experiences for a dog but but for a lot of dogs they they get fed at this time they get walked at this time you know they know what to expect and they know the smells
1: and that's important yeah just like just like with children it's important to have that routine and structure i agree with you it gives them that sense of security
0: And I suppose another thing, just just thinking about that from from rescue dogs, is you don't always know the backgrounds, obviously. Now, you know, a a large proportion of our dogs, So we have about 50% of our dogs are handed over by the members of the public, but then 50% come from sort of stray and abandoned backgrounds where we have very little information on them. And for the ones that we don't have information on, you know, you don't know whether they've come from a difficult background. You don't know whether they've been socialized with other dogs. You, you, you know, that those formative weeks of a puppy are so, so important for its development. It really is, you know, depending on the breed, you know, anything up to sort of 9 to 15 weeks of age is so important for that puppy's development. And if they've not been mixed with dogs during that time, you know, they're going to struggle and they're going to need general sort of gradual introductions into dogs to gradually get them used to it. So, so I think it's really important, no matter what organization, if you think of rescuing a dog, that, that you listen to, to what the people say. Because, you know, just if they're saying, actually, you know, it prefers two-legged friends to four-legged friends. Don't suddenly think, well, what are they saying about I'm just going to mix them with other dogs? Because it's really, really important. That's trouble
1: eyes. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: It really is really important because the, the backgrounds are all very different
1: and that brings me on to my next question beautifully because um, much as I guess much as some dogs do struggle when they enter an environment like like that others will thrive and so you get you get a huge variety of personalities coming into you so how do you go about matching potential owners with the dogs who are waiting for their forever homes what's the process
0: So firstly, I mean, you you made a very good point there, to be honest, because, you know, I I don't want to um, put people off, you know, you you quite often get uh, the wider public who feel that rescue dogs are broken dogs. And and that is not the case at all. You you know, yes, we do get dogs uh, given up to us because people are struggling with the behaviours. But a lot of dogs come to us because of people problems rather than yeah. dog problems so, so yeah your, your point there that some will actually adapt to the tra- transition and be very fine in the in the home is a really really important one to be honest, it, it really is so with regards um that the matching process we as, as we've already discussed we fully appreciate that every time a dog has a broken attachment you know, it affects that dog's behavior. Every time that dog is abandoned from a home, you know, it affects that dog's behavior and it makes it more difficult for them to create a bond in a future home. So, you know, we want to get it right and and we fully appreciate we don't always get it right, but but where we can, we want to get the match right, and and unfortunately, we we sometimes get accusations of oh, you know, it's it's harder to adopt a dog than than a child, and people can get frustrated because they come into us, or, or when they could come into us. I mean, I mean, we do a lot of it remotely at the moment, and via appointments only, but. But, you know, they, they may see a dog um, on the website, for instance, and just think, actually, that looks like my last dog, or well, that's just what I'm looking for. And they play out this scenario and, and they can be understandably upset when they come in and actually someone, we get them to fill in a home finder questionnaire, which uh, tells us all about their life, and you know, people in the home, how long the dog's going to be left, what they're looking for, you know, visiting people to the home and and suddenly we're telling them well that dog that they'd set their heart on isn't suitable for them and 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 i fully get that that can be upsetting but but we want to we want to get it right you know we we want to try our best to prevent that dog being returned to us so as soon as the dog comes into us literally from day one you know our assessment process will start initially it's very much hands-off, so it's very much observation-led. The dog will come into us, it will always go uh, behind the scenes for a minimum of seven days, and over the course of those seven days, we're just making observations, you know, how is the dog when we approach the kennel? How is the dog when we put a food bowl down? How is the dog when we're walking the dog and it sees other dogs? It's it's very much observational led at that period because we, we don't want to put too much upon that dog. Um, you know, we, we want it to settle in because we know, you know that the dog's sort of anxiety levels spike when it initially comes in, and then they will gradually go down again as it's getting used to the environment. So, so we're monitoring the dog. You know, the dog will be uh, having intake examinations, veterinary examinations. You know, how was the dog for that veterinary examination? And once it's been with us for about seven days, then our assessments are being a little bit more formal. So so we're actually being a little bit more hands-on with the dog. So how is the dog when we stroke the dog? When we obviously we're stroking the dog beforehand, but but this is a bit more of a formal assessment where where, where we go in through everything bit by bit. How is it when we touch its paws? You know, if we want to dry the dog's paws. Um, you know we introduce it to dogs to see how it is on dog meats. you know we introduce it to toys you know how is it with those toys is is it possessive of those toys because for instance you know if you've got a dog that guards toys and you know might be a bit growly when you come near it then actually you think well you know that might not be suitable for young children who've got so, you know, I have young children myself and they have toys lying around all over the place. And, yeah. you know, suddenly if a dog's really possessive and might get a bit snappy when a child walks near it, when it's by one of its toys, then actually that might not be best placed with, you know, young children. Obviously, we're introducing it with dogs. You know, how is it around other dogs? Quite often you, you might get a dog that will be fine with dogs out and about but actually they don't want a dog living in its space you know how yeah. is it you know does the dog have a high chase drive a high predatory drive mm-hmm. you know, if it does maybe they're not ideal with cats than small fluffy so 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 we're doing our own assessments and and if the dog's handed over which they are in 50 percent of the cases we're obviously using all of the all of the tremendously valuable information that we're able to ascertain from the previous owners just to find out how the dog was in that home. And through that, you know, we're starting to get a picture of the type of home the dog needs. You know, does, does this dog have any challenging behaviors, you know, where actually you wouldn't want lots of visitors to the home because it's quite worried by strangers? You know, do you need to sort of get a stronger bond? And, and through that picture, that's when we're sort of starting to formulate what our requirements are for that home and and i'm not saying we get it right every single time you know there's not a rescue organization across the land that gets it right every single time you know we, we do see dogs coming back into our care and, and we fully appreciate their unforeseen reasons that that cause that and as i said before we always welcome our dogs back and we're fully understanding with everyone who has to do that but if possible, we want to avoid that. And thankfully, in the vast majority of cases, we are successful in that. And roughly 87% of the time, you know, when we rehome our dogs, they stay in their forever homes for the rest of their lives. That does mean we do get back some. But every time we get a dog back, obviously, we've got further information on that dog. And we once again use it to paint the picture of the type of home we're looking for. It's like some dogs, you know, you might get dogs that's a traffic chaser, you know, so you don't want to put it in a, a, a built up urban area. So you look for a rural environment for a home. Sometimes you want a dog that it just wants the single person in the home to love rather than a busy, bustling home with young kids running around. There's many ways of uh, finding out this.
1: Well, it sounds like a really thorough process. And, and I guess if I can sum it up, the key is for people who are looking to adopt to be as honest as possible on, on their application, because really it's about matching the dog to who you are and the lifestyle you're living um, so that it's, you get the best fit possible. So, you know, there's, there's no point telling mistruths on a bit just just to get the dog that you've fallen in love with for example to your point because it's not going to work out for either either party yes, yes so. that, you
0: know, that, that's that's very true words and you, you know there are occasions that thankfully they are by far the minority I'm sort of pleased to know but people will sort of fail to tell us about a child because actually they want a dog so much and, and the potential consequences you know thankfully touch wood you know we, we haven't had any you know really really traumatic incidences but but you know yeah
1: but the potential is there
0: absolutely and, and we want you to be happy we want the people to be happy you know and your family to be safe so so honesty is yeah it's it's absolutely vital
1: okay well we've talked a lot about some of the the considerations and, and there's you know the few challenges that that might crop up when it comes to adopting a rescue dogs but i know you see loads and loads of success stories mostly success stories in fact so you know how much does adopting a dog change the dog's life as well as that of its owner?
0: Do you know what? Um, I mean, it changes a dog's world. You, you know, as 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 I touched on before, as lovely as our kennels are, and as dedicated as our teams and our centres are, and you know all the training that they do with them. A dog in a kennel environment. You know spends the vast majority of its day in a kennel. No no matter how much we do with that dog, how much we training we do with that dog, time we spend with the dog, realistically, you're still looking at that dog being in that kennel for twenty two to twenty-three hours a day. That that that's the reality of it. You know, so so suddenly, you know, giving that dog a new home, a new life, you know, it it's it's what it's about, you know, dogs uh, that dogs want to be around people, dogs want to be out experiencing the outside world. yes, it sometimes is a scary place when they initially go to, but from a dog's perspective, that is what it's about and and as much as our our staff form tremendous bonds with these dogs and tremendous attachments with these dogs you know there there is not a person who works for us who, who won't say you know from one of our centers the best thing for them is when they see that dog go home because they know how much it means to that dog yeah. you know and yes they miss those dogs and everyone has their favorites but you know, that that is what it's about you know that is what it's about and and you know i, I you know i, I do a, a slight different role now i you know I, I look after a region so i go around different centers supporting different centers but for 11 years of my time with Dogs Trust. I, I was based in the centres, you know, undertaking different roles. And, and honestly, it, it is the most rewarding part of the job because you see what it means to that dog. And, and, and from a person's perspective, you know, to have that, you know, as you mentioned before with your friend as well, that the, the bond between a rescue dog and, and a new adopter is so strong. It can sort of completely change someone's life.
1: Yeah, it's transformative, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and from you know my perspective, some of the positive stories that you've seen, where dogs have come from difficult backgrounds, um, you know, who haven't had the best starts in life. But but for me, I, I mean, my sort of favourites are always those either your your older dogs or actually the dogs that have been in kennels for you know far more years than than you you would ever hope you know we we never put a healthy dog to sleep um, so so what that means is that there are dogs in our care for many many years on occasion Th- thankfully that they're the the minority and and I think currently we have we have just over 200 dogs who've been in our care over 6 months but within that there, there are dogs that just for some reason and and you don't know why because you obviously see a very different side to them I mean one of the things that we always think it is is they don't show themselves off well in kennels that just for some reason doesn't I mean mean, there are dogs that do there are dogs that as soon as someone comes up they walk to the front (laughs) they give a little shake of their tail yes exactly And, and they sell themselves and and there's, and and there's others that don't. I, I, I mean, one, one dog that I recall by the name of Joker, and he was just a sort of a dark brindle crossbreed. Um, you know, had a bit of bull breed in him, had a bit of maybe sort of a lurchery type dog, you know, maybe a bull lurcher. You know, he he was just a bit of you know your your classic Heinz 57s, and for some reason people just walked them by and you know i i knew this dog i love this dog i saw what this dog was like when this dog was was out and about i mean he was just the most loving dog and and yes he, he was lively that that was for sure but he had a good heart and for some reason people used to just walk by and I think after a while it's almost like they become part of the furniture and people go, Oh, you know, there's Joker again. And, and you know, I, I was based in our West London center at the time. We moved him to another center that they couldn't rehome him. We then moved him to another center that they couldn't rehome him. I then went down to, uh, I moved down to our Canterbury center. So, so I moved within centers, um, and as soon as I went down there, you know, I knew I just wanted to, to get this dog back and to try again. And we brought him down and this was the fourth centre he came to when he wow. was with us at Canterbury. And, you know, at all these centres, you know, we will do extra publicity. We will promote them. We'll do stories about them to raise their profile. For some reason, people just didn't adopt him. and And eventually... In Canterbury, we managed to find a home from him, and I mean, this dog had been with us by that stage. He must have been with us for about seven years, I think it was.
1: Oh no, really? You know, he
0: he came to us as as you know a, a one year old dog, and oh
1: God uh, help him.
0: Oh, I I I, <laughs> I I um and honestly, he went to this home who loved him.
1: Aww. And
0: they used to write to me the whole time. They used to send me pictures, Aww. and they even sort of, you know, they told me when he unfortunately passed away after sort of several years of of being in the home. And and you know, it, it's it's the ones like that that really sort of touch you because you know that, that that they they eventually found that home. It took a while, you know. And you know, we're not here to keep dogs in kennels. We're here to put dogs in homes. But but it's those type of stories that really. You know, but they're they're the ones that mean the most to be honest, because um, Yeah, of yeah.
1: course. Wow, you've you've got me emotional. I know, but I know, just... Honestly, just <laughs> recounting it,
0: it was, yes.
1: But you know what really strikes me about that is that you don't give up. And and I think that's incredible. That's truly inspirational. No matter what, you don't give up. I mean that to me is oh god, it's soul destroying. Seven years almost in a in a kennel. I mean, that's a good half of his life, and yet you are still persisting and you, you found him his forever yes. home.
0: And, and and honestly, that that is everyone is just delighted about that because you know that you, you know the dogs you know it's 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 the small fluffies, you know it's the really desirable breeds they will come in and they'll fly out in no time at all, uh, but the ones that really sort of mean well, they all mean every don't get me wrong every home means something to everyone but but it's the ones that you know for some reason people just walk by it and and the staff they, they see a very different side to that dog because they form forming those bonds they're taking them out they're seeing them outside the kennel and that's why we use lots of videos now to try and show good, yeah. a different side of that dog you know not seeing just a photo of a dog or a dog in a kennel you know showing it out and about showing it interacting with people because we see a very different side and, and we want to get that across to people and, and yeah they're, they're they're the real they're the good ones
1: well, that, look, that's a real positive boon to, to social media. So, you know, we'll put in, certainly put in in the show notes um, to the episode some links to Dogs Trust and hopefully any other jokers that might be out there.
0: <laughs> yes, that would be can fantastic. Find their homes. Yes, yeah. No, that, that would be great. That, that would be great. Really. Happy
1: to do that. Hopefully we can help. But listen, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you, Adam. Thank you.
0: Thank you for having us on. It's It's been great. Thank you. We appreciate it.
1: Well that's all for this episode. It was so lovely chatting to Adam and hearing how many dogs have been able to find their forever home thanks to the Dogs Trust. But as well as rehoming dogs the charity does do other important work including campaigning against puppy smuggling. Please do take a look at their website if you can and we've added a link to the show notes. My thanks again to our sponsors Youmove and don't forget to check out their website for a chance to win a year's supply of supplements for your dog, your cat or even your horse. And to make sure you receive the next episode, please do like and subscribe. Thanks for listening.
0: Imagine the
1: softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.